4: Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. If you want to listen live, all you have to do is download the iHeartRadio app and search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Also, if you want to catch this show on video, be sure to check out Zumo TV, channel 719. That's where you can find SportsGrid's Fantasy Sports Network. Enjoy the show, and thanks so much for listening. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Daily Roto Hour here on SportsGrid TV. I'm Davis Maddock, joined today by Ricky Sanders, In this episode of the show, we are continuing our series of NFL team previews. We are going to go division by division, team by team, position by position – Break down fantasy football impacts, how we plan on approaching these teams for daily fantasy sports purposes, and talk a little bit of season long betting as well. Uh, In our first episode, we went through the NFC North. We are now going to switch over to the AFC North, Ricky. Really interesting teams in this division. You know, the historically great Steelers and Ravens teams. Then we have, you know, everyone's favorite sleeper last year, the Baltimore Ravens. And then now, finally, we actually have an interesting team in Cincinnati with Joe Burrow taking over at, uh, at quarterback. So, starting here with the Steelers, I, I think a great place to begin is just do we feel that Ben Roethlisberger is capable of being back this year? See,
5: I want to kind of middle that because I think everyone feels like this version of Ben Roethlisberger should come back, and we should see something close to it. I've seen a lot of friends in the industry discuss Juju Smith-Schuster. Like, he is a very good value in all drafts because he's got his boy back in Ben Roethlisberger. But, you know, in two games last year, Roethlisberger, 56.5% completion rate didn't throw a touchdown. Now he equates that to the pain that I believe was in his throwing elbow uh, and says he is the healthiest he has been in quite some time this, this training camp. So I think I would middle it some. He didn't look great last year, but if you take him for his word, he's still a 38 year old quarterback. And this is a team that's been given credit, you know, for Solid win totals. I mean, uh, our tech team did a great job earlier this offseason running some ELO simulations, which basically took the talent and the schedules and ran simulations of their season uh, and said that, you know, this was one of the best teams to bet the under because Vegas is basically giving them credit for a fully healthy Ben Roethlisberger. And it's nine over under on FanDuel uh, with both basically the over and the under having the exact same odds. I think you have to you know, look inside and see how you feel about Ben Roethlisberger. I have drafted him in some drafts, so I think he will be fine for fantasy purposes. But I still think this nine number is tough to gauge.
4: Yeah, I think that is. I think that is probably true because I can see you know a wider range of outcomes for the Steelers than in most years, uh, than in most years. And so the I think a primary reason for that is obviously you know Roethlisberger. If he does get hurt, the backup quarterback situation for Pittsburgh is really what it's the worst in the league, right? They have Mason Rudolph and Devlin Hodges. These guys prove themselves to be. Completely incapable of, you know, playing quarterback at the NFL level. They just, they just were not any good at all. Now, granted, we are not very far removed from, you know, 2018. Roethlisberger leads the NFL in completions, attempts, passing yardage, and also in interceptions as well, with 16. But through 34 touchdowns, over 5,000 yards. I think that there are, you know, a lot of supporting weapons in Pittsburgh that make. Roethlisberger, if he remains healthy, you know, a pretty decent investment in terms of fantasy. And I, I don't have you know enough um, confidence in my ability to watch the film and say, you know, this is something that Roethlisberger clearly can't do anymore as he got older. I do think that Roethlisberger was more mobile when he was younger, was more able to avoid that pressure in the pocket. I think that is mostly gone. But you know, maybe the departure of Le'Veon Bell and and not feeling the need to feed those running backs kind of the way they did when Le'Veon was on the team, that might, you know, change up some of the ways this offense works. Roethlisberger actually is a guy I probably am interested in investing in fantasy because we've just seen his ceiling be so high in very similar circumstances to this.
5: Yeah, and I thought, like, a main negative of this team is when you looked at their receiver core prior to the draft— Other than Juju Smith-Schuster, it was really small, and it wasn't like Antonio Brown-quality small receivers. So, like, obviously he's gotten it done with Brown, who is not a big guy, being the number one. But I don't see any Antonio Brown in James Washington or Deontay Johnson. So it was Juju as kind of the guy. Uh, Their tight ends were brutal before they brought in Eric Ebron. And... They, they did a great thing in the draft, I think, adding Chase Claypool, who kind of gives you that, that other dimension. You've got Juju, who's kind of like an all-around guy. You've got the 5'11 and 5'10 Washington and Deontay Johnson. And now you've got a monster physically in Chase Claypool, who is also athletic. He's one of two guys, I think, above 6'4", uh, 250, you know, since the 90s, basically, to run under a 4'5". The other guy was Calvin Johnson. So it just shows how talented he is. So I think now the mix of talent at receiver is is a great fit for, honestly, any quarterback, but especially one who is, who is needing kind of that other red zone guy besides Eric Ebron, besides, you know, James Conner, who he could hand it off to or throw some short passes. And, yeah, you talk about those backup quarterbacks. It just had me thinking, like, what would be the worst fit for Colin Kaepernick, which is a guy we keep hearing names? Can you imagine a quarterback room that included Ben Roethlisberger, who we know his, his troubled past, and I think two guys who would not agree with him on many subjects in Mason Rudolph and Delvin Hodges and then Colin Kaepernick? Uh, I, I was just thinking that to myself, how, how that would be, like, the odd couple. You would need the curb music playing at all times if that was the same quarterback room.
4: Well, the uh, the rumor was that Jameis Winston was going to be the backup quarterback that they were interested in, uh, that they were interested in signing him, and I, I, I thought that would be a good offensive fit. I don't know how good of a personality fit it would have been, but I, I would have liked right. to have seen them do that. Um, so before we get into the wide receivers, uh, I mean, do you like either of Vance McDonald or eric ebron for fantasy at all i mean i think ebron is a guy you can draft in best ball probably wouldn't mess with him in any kind of redraft formats because he does he just seems to turn up with these uh you know two touchdown games pretty randomly but uh i i'm not finding myself heavily invested in either vance mcdonald or eric ebron
5: i like eric ebron as a second tight end for fantasy i think If all goes well, he has the ability to be a tight end one, probably not like a high end guy, but a guy who could get you there because of those random touchdown weeks, you know, adding up. We have seen, you know, Heath Miller and other guys be the the safety valve for Ben Roethlisberger in his offenses and at this red zone threat who, you know, Ben Roethlisberger needs, especially if it turns out that Chase Claypool uh, is not comfortable playing the outside on receiver. And if that you know proves to be the case, I think you're going to see a lot of red zone usage for Eric Ebron. And I think you know the high end ninetieth, hundredth percentile outcome is double digit touchdowns for him. So he's coming basically for free in fantasy. And for that reason, like I'm willing to take the shot.
4: Yeah, um, I I tend to I tend to agree with that. So there is a very interesting dynamic at play with the Steelers wide receivers, which is that Juju Smith-Schuster is. A year removed from being a first-round draft pick, but was out-targeted last season by Deontay Johnson. Um, he is now going kind of in that third, fourth-round mix. But Deontay Johnson is now all the way drafted as uh, you know a seventh-round pick. And James Washington has mostly been forgotten. He's going in the last round. Chase Claypool is not really drafted. Um, I find myself you know taking that discount on Smith Schuster, not paying that ceiling price for. Dante Johnson, which side of uh, which side of that aisle are you on?
5: Yeah, I would be more inclined to go Juju Smith-Schuster as the probable number one receiver here, and just equate last year more to the quarterback play than the poor play of Smith-Schuster. Although he did deal with some drop issues, if you were watching, he did not pass the eye test with those guys. He was hurt as well, exactly. And and the point being, like, who could have succeeded with those guys behind you know under center? I, I think it was just a losing proposition. I really worry about the additions of Eric Ebron and and Chase Claypool, They're dimensions that this offense did not have last year. And I don't think there's a clear path to a lot of targets to either Deontay Johnson or James Washington being smaller guys. I think you'll see him on some slant routes. I think you'll see some shots taken down the field, but I can't imagine them being more than like three target per game kind of guys if Chase Claypool proves to be the starting receiver that I think they view him to be. So they're, they're, like you said, there's a wide range of outcomes for the offense as a whole. I think there's a wide range of outcomes specifically for the receivers, depending on the readiness of Chase Claypool and how willing the team is to just use Eric Ebron in the in the red zone from the start. Uh, I just see, you know, not great quality of work for either Deontay Johnson and James Washington, who might even split the work that they get.
4: Yeah, I think that is, I think that is likely true. So we kind of, we are, we are in lockstep there in leaving Johnson and uh, and Washington for other drafters. Actually, you know what? I do like taking Johnson because I think there is a chance that Johnson could, um you know, he could, he could beat out Johnson. Like Washington could beat out Johnson, could beat out Claypool. And in that base 11 personnel set, I think Washington could see, you know, 80, 90 targets. And that would be pretty valuable in that offense. But the most interesting discussion for this team is their running backs because you know Steelers running back 1 has been a great option for fantasy pretty much the entire time Ben Roethlisberger has been the coach or has been the has been the quarterback and Mike Tomlin has been the Head coach and James Conner has had a running back one season in this offense. Last season was just banged up, like pretty much left injured every game he played. Missed time when we saw, uh, you know, we saw Benny Snell and Jalen Samuels uh, as the lead back there for up uh, you know, at, they kind of traded off that uh, they kind of traded off that position. So I am in on James Conner this year. I think he's one of those guys being drafted in the third and fourth round of drafts that pretty obviously has a ceiling, and I think that he has more of a floor than guys like Melvin Gordon, than Leonard Fournette. Like, like he is going to be the starting running back week one for the Steelers and probably the, the starting running back week eight for the Steelers, and I don't know if I can say that about a lot of the other guys who are, you know, in similar positions.
5: Yeah, I mean... Anthony McFarland was added to the mix, but what do you view Anthony McFarland as? He's 5'8", 193, so he's not exactly a gigantic dude. I think the upside for his role is to be kind of like the, you know, shake and bake to this backfield. I don't really think this team drafted him viewing him as the guy in the immediate future. And even when James Conner inevitably either goes somewhere else or retires, Uh, I think they'll want a backfield mate for Anthony McFarland. I don't think he's a guy that you're drafting, like, thinking he's going to blast off. Even if James Conner gets hurt, he's just kind of a guy that you hope can do enough if Conner gets hurt that you have, like, a top 25 running back play every sort of week. Uh, So I'm not incredibly scared of this Anthony McFarland drafting. Like, I've seen some people, you know, targeting McFarland as, like, the handcuff. But I think James Conner has done enough to earn his right to be the guy. And there just wasn't enough sample with with Ben Roethlisberger last year to kind of, you know, knock him off his horse.
4: Yeah, I I think that is probably true. I think there's a lot of value to be had on this team if, in fact, Ben Roethlisberger stays healthy. You know, I think that if Ben stays healthy... He'll pay off his price tag. Juju can pay off. Johnson can pay off. And I think that, you know, Connor can pay off and maybe even Ebron and or uh, Vance McDonald as well. So we are going to go ahead and head into break here on the Daily Roto Hour on SportsGrid TV. When we return, we will continue our discussion on the... AFC North by taking a look at the Cleveland Browns and determining if actually last year was the uh, the growing pains year, and this year is going to be the year where we see you know some uh, some tremendous output from Baker Mayfield and company.
3: I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast.
4: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Daily Roto Hour here on SportsGrid TV. I'm Davis Maddock, joined today by Ricky Sanders. Right now, we are in the middle of our NFL team previews, where we are going around the NFL division by division, position by position, and uh, breaking down every team from a fantasy football perspective, from a betting perspective, from a DFS perspective. And uh, we did the Pittsburgh Steelers in our first block. Now we are moving further down the projected standings to the Cleveland Browns. And, Ricky, I think a a great place to start this conversation is, um, last year were you a Browns believer or or were you out on the Browns?
5: So I was... More of a Browns believer. Let's just be real here. I drafted –
4: too. No shame. No shame. Yeah.
5: I drafted Baker Mayfield in a league that was one quarterback. He was my backup quarterback in a team with, like, uh, eight teams. Uh, I think I had some exposure to Jarvis Landry in one of my leagues. So, like, I was in on them. I liked Nick Chubb, but it didn't happen. I think I'm back on them this year, though. If you're asking me, like, am I going to go double or nothing, the answer is clearly yes.
4: You know what? And I I think it's reasonable. So first is I think Freddie Kitchens was a bad coach. I think that he should have turned over play calling to Todd Munkin and didn't do that. And I think that they are, you know, they are better set up now with Kevin Stefanski. You know, they have the new coaching staff in there and uh, Stefanski has this long track record of success in Minnesota. And, you know, Baker obviously played poorly last season. 22 touchdowns, 21 interceptions, um, 6.2 adjusted yards per attempt. But, I mean, this team has a lot, a lot of talent. You know, Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt, uh, Odell Beckham, Jarvis Landry, and then, you know, even their tight ends. Uh, David Njoku and Austin Hooper as their tight end rotation. Like, I am I am more inclined to believe in this talented personnel grouping and just be like look it was uh it was a bad year right and guys are allowed to have bad years like you're allowed to just be bad and you're allowed to you know not not perform up to your your highest standard for uh for a small period of time without me burying you so that's where i'm at with the browns i i am uh, i'm buying the dip with the cleveland browns
5: yeah, and even before you talk about the offense, obviously the defense needed improvement, and they addressed it in the draft. I mean, Grant Delpit in the second, Jordan Elliott, Jacob Phillips, this is a team that was 30th in DVOA against the run last year. If all of a sudden they can just, like, get inch closer to the league average in terms of run defense— Then we can start talking about the offense in which Baker Mayfield threw way too many interceptions last year. He had a 3.9% interception rate. Remember we talked about those NFC North teams yesterday. You never see Aaron Rodgers like over a 1% rate.
4: Never. Uh, Yeah.
5: So that's part of the reason that, you know, he could feel like he's not playing that well, but he's not killing the team. Whereas Baker Mayfield is just always, you know, towards the end of games, you get those tweets like LOL Baker. Like he makes a one of those throws, but you add in Jack Conklin on the offensive line, the a guy I love to talk about because he was a top-six graded offensive tackle you know, in the running game last year for that Titans team. I think he was one of their unsung heroes. And you bring in Kevin Stefanski, and I think it's a great setup for Nick Chubb. Even if his volume goes down, he has a coach that we saw take Dalvin Cook to the next level, and now he has an offensive lineman who could help propel him beyond the offensive line last year it would not surprise me if Nick Chubb leads the league in yards per carry this year by a decent margin. Like I think he is that talented, even though I've been touting that like in fantasy circles, he's got to compete with Kareem Hunt. He might not be worth his, his ADP. He is a great running back.
4: He is a great running back. Yeah. I mean, I think Nick Chubb is one of the best pure runners in the NFL, you know, almost, almost for sure. I, uh, I definitely believe that that is true. You know, I, I definitely believe that that is true about, uh, about Nick Chubb. So, are we are we drafting Baker this year, you know, to be are we because in these in these best balls now, you can take Baker as your second quarterback in the 13th round like no problem. Like he will just be sitting there waiting for you.
5: Yeah, so the question becomes are they going to adopt the Stefanski offense or are there too many pieces here for them to ignore just all the variety of pass catchers they have that basically were not available last year in Minnesota. And I'm leaning a little bit more towards – I think he has to use the pieces in Odell Beckham, in Jarvis Landry, in both the tight ends, uh, in Kareem Hunt out of the backfield – The question is, will they play a lot of two tight end sets and it'll be a lot of dink and dunk or will there be some bigger plays? But that, you know, they drafted Donovan Peoples-Jones and they still have, you know, a, a deep wide receiver core. So I think the setup is enough that despite the style we saw from Stefanski, I think in the 13th round, Baker Mayfield is worth that shot. If just by the talent around him, he, you know, can just figure it out. Uh, there's clear 30 plus touchdown upside for Baker, and, and no one's given him any love because of one bad year. The offensive line has improved. The coaching staff has improved. I even think the talent around him, you got you to consider Austin Hooper an upgrade from what they had. Uh, and Njoku's still there at tight end number two. I think it's too much of a supporting cast for a good quarterback to stay down for long.
4: Yeah, I think that is. I think that is likely to be true. So, let's uh the fantasy value for these running backs. Nick Chubb goes at the beginning in the middle of the second round in, you know, all of these high stakes leagues. I think it's rational to take him there, maybe not optimal because of the presence of Kareem Hunt. After Kareem Hunt came back in week 10 last season, Nick Chubb was targeted only 11 times in the passing game, basically gave up all of the passing work that he was getting before that. Now he still retained, you know, a a huge chunk of the team's rushing percentages and was still the goal line back. And if the Browns offense is in fact, you know, if we, if they, if they, um, if we are successful in buying the dip and the Browns are much better on offenses here, that's going to benefit Nick, Nick Chubb to an extreme amount. But I mean, they're just—he cannot get to 40 catches. There is no way that he gets to 40 catches this year, and and you need that to have these truly elite running back seasons.
5: Yeah, and you gotta take into consideration that the Browns' scheme last year was one of the slowest in the league, and I don't think it's gonna get sped too much up by Stefanski, who did not exactly look to play—you know—no huddle football. But it should be noted that those looking at the first and second half, uh, Nick Chubb was unlucky with his red zone work in the second half of the season. So I don't think like the drop off was as drastic as it showed where he was like a 12 fantasy point per game guy. Uh, Again, he received some some looks in the red zone. He still was like over a 30 percent red zone usage rate in the second half. And he just didn't get it done. And then, you know, Kareem Hunt comes in, he finishes it off and he looks like the hero. I still think middle of second round is a very good price for Nick Chubb. You know what you're getting with him, and you know the, the risk, but it would shock me if he scores less than eight rushing touchdowns this year, even with Kareem Hunt there.
4: Okay, so better better question might be, what are you doing with Kareem Hunt? Are you... Taking him? Are you are you you know uh, matching those guys together? Are you are you fading one of them? Like what uh, what is the what's the overall thoughts there?
5: So I saw someone on Twitter earlier this week. I apologize for not accurately accrediting for saying Nick Chubb is good, Kareem Hunt is good. It is very possible that both of them are values at their respective prices, and I think I agree with that Uh, because Hunt is coming a few rounds later, and you know that there's plenty of catches headed his way, Um, I think you could draft both of them and just know that you're talking about, like, a David Montgomery, Tariq Cohn sort of situation with both the guys here probably being better uh, than either of those players. So if both the players on the Bears in this, you know, presumed situation last year were getting drafted uh, with confidence, I think the same has to hold true for what's now a a decent offensive line in a great scheme for running backs. We saw Stefanski. I, I can't, you know, say it enough what happened to Dalvin Cook in his scheme. Now there's two guys here instead of one, and you may split the fantasy production, but I think Nick Chubb is going to catch enough or, or excuse me, he's going to run the football enough and effectively enough that we'll see multiple hundred yard games. If you have those bonuses, I think he's good there. And then there might be times where, you know, Kareem Hunt catches passes and finishes off drives uh, and they both have value. You both, you get close to double digit you know fantasy points from both. Kareem Hunt will come cheaper, but I think obviously the upside comes in the guy who will touch the ball more, who I think will be Nick Chubb. So I'm in on both of them.
4: Yeah, I think that is reasonable. I lean a little bit more on taking the discount with Hunt and just kind of trying to make my... my draft portfolio as such that um you know nick chubb just not as much of a part of it my teams will benefit more from a down chubb season or a chubb injury than anything else now for both of them to pay off the browns would just have to go to the moon you know they would have to they would have to be third in the nfl and points scored or or something like that but there are uh, two very important fantasy assets to talk about for the browns that we haven't really touched on yet which is Odell Beckham and Jarvis Landry. Odell coming off of what was, you know, the worst year of his career. Seven point eight yards per target. Uh, he did get to a thousand yards for the fifth time in his career. Only four touchdowns, and uh, you know, the lowest catch rate of his career. Uh, you know, arguing on the sidelines, obviously, you know, the 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 dramatics that we always get with them um, with Odell Beckham. But I I have to say, pretty discouraging. Just kind of like that that feeling you get, that vibe you get from Odell Beckham. Like, it was it was not a good vibe. You were not watching him thinking, you know, this is one of the best wide receivers I've ever seen play. Like, you're watching them going, man, Odell Beckham just, uh, he does not look right.
5: Yeah, I think the concerns that people had with him at the draft are starting to come to fruition as he ages, and that he's a small receiver, and if he doesn't have the elite, you know, breakaway sort of potential, as he gets older there's going to be issues and he makes the ridiculous catches but <clears throat> excuse me we're talking about a guy with a 55% catch rate last year can an entire season just be a fluke i don't know if that's the case i think Jarvis Landry at this point might just be the better receiver on this team and if it's being priced that beckham's the guy you have to take first uh, unlike the running back thing, where I'm not willing to make a decision, I would much rather have the value of Jarvis Landry taken later.
4: Yeah, I I think that's I think that's fair. Um, I because the decision you have a lot of the time now is Odell or DJ Moore, Odell or Juju. I mean, even Odell or Robert Woods, Ricky. I think I'm leaning Robert Woods there. So you know, I loved I loved Odell last year. Got to. Got burnt by that. And now i I'm with you. I, I would rather take Jarvis Landry, you know, in the in the sixth round, I think.
5: Yeah, it seems crazy to say when, you know, you talk about the talents of those players and how we viewed them a year ago, but I think I would rather take Robert Woods than Odell Beckham, Uh, and if it came down to it, I think I would be making the selection with a bunch of those other receivers that you named, the Juju's of the world, and hoping for, you know, Ben Roethlisberger to stay healthy, because I view him as having, you know, top three receiver upside, and I'm not sure at this point in in his career, after the season we saw from him last year, you can really think... That is that is still there with with Odell Beckham.
4: Yeah, I mean, I think that there have there have been many examples in the history of pro football and see and and seeing you know wide receivers just fall off, right? They get a groin injury, they get a hamstring injury, and that's um you know that just ends up being that ends up being it for them. So we are going to go ahead and head into break here now on the Daily Roto Hour on SportsGrade TV. When we return, we're going to transition our attention to the Cincinnati Bengals with Andy Dalton out of town. Joe Burrow under center, Joe Mixon maybe or maybe not holding out, Uh, new new wide receiver on the perimeter, T. Higgins, and uh, just kind of evaluate them from fantasy football and gambling perspectives.
6: SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering, real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.
3: I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your
4: podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome back from break here on the Daily Roto Hour on Sports Grid TV. I'm Davis Maddock, joined by Ricky Sanders as we continue to run through our NFL Team previews from a fantasy football and gambling perspective. Now taking a look at the Cincinnati Bengals as we continue our NFC North tour. And, uh, you know, Ricky, unlike most years, this is actually a conversation that uh, some people are interested in, right? Like, we we are definitely going to be paying attention to the Bengals this offseason, going to be interested in watching their uh, their games at the, at the start of the year because they have a new, exciting young quarterback, Joe Burrow from LSU, the first overall selection. Um, I mean, we I think you and I both are, are pretty much Joe Burrow believers. Yeah,
5: and I think that this 5.5 line for FanDuel, in terms of their over-under, is a really fair line. They won two games last year. But now you bring in a young stud quarterback. Now you bring in an additional receiver to the mix. You had a healthy A.J. Green back there. Uh, You need Joe Burrow, obviously, to stay healthy. You talk about another team with some brutal backups that could just kill you if you bet the over on a team and all of a sudden something happens to the starter. Uh, There are some places we feel comfortable. This is not one of them. and We'll talk about uh, the guys they have behind in a second. But I think this is a team with the potential to win six games. Uh, I mean, Cleveland, we like the way they look. I don't know how to feel about Pittsburgh. It's certainly possible that, you know, uh, the Ravens come back down to, you know, 10-ish wins this year. I think there are paths, certainly, for this team to to win four more games than they did last year. I like the setup in terms of the, the talent around Joe Burrow, other than probably the tight ends. And I think he has enough receivers and he's a sharp enough dude that it shouldn't take long for him to kind of figure it out in the NFL. And we've seen before, you know, that young talented quarterbacks come in and start flinging the football and good things happen, even if there are some other, you know, negatives on the football team.
4: Yeah. I mean, it just, it can, it can turn your whole team around when you're, when your quarterback is young and good, you know, and in, um, in some of these early best ball drafts I've been doing, I actually have been taking Joe Burrow because, one, I think he will run just a little bit, but also he's so affordable to stack. So, you know, T. Higgins, John Ross, um, and, and and their, you know, all their tight ends, Drew Sample, C.J. Uzuma, like you can do these with four of your last 18 picks, you know, right? So, like, once you pretty much drafted the core of your team, you can start to stack these guys up. And I, I think there's loads of ceiling there.
5: Yeah, I don't think Drew Sample is a ceiling player, by the way. He, he's just one of those big dudes who, even if he's going to play, he's focused on the blocking and, like, your upside for him. Even if he, like, earns the starting role, I think it's like three, four touchdowns that he kind of falls into and it's just not uh, that big of a, you know, a, a force in the offense. But everyone else you mentioned definitely has potential. I mean, John Ross, with a guy who could throw the ball down the field, he could be a legitimate weapon. Now, I think – you know for best ball purposes he'll be easier to guess but I, I think you know if you're in a bind for seasonal and you're you're playing a you know good team john ross is the kind of guy you'll want to start because you know if you're Get a, you know get a victory you're gonna need some big performances and he's the kind of guy that can take the top off a of defense you've got a possession guy in tyler boyd you can kind of groom t higgins as needed because a.j green uh, is still a good receiver he's a guy who can go up and get the football i know he's old i know we've talked about you know like odell beckham aging and how worrisome that is but a.j green's 6'4. so as he ages he's at least not losing his size he still should be g- able to go up and do what he does best I'm in on A.J. Green specifically. I'm in on Tyler Boyd. Uh, and I, I think I'm willing to take the shot on, on the other guys later, especially in best ball leagues. But I'm talking, you know, regular seasonal leagues. A.J. Green and Tyler Boyd are both guys that that I am targeting, thinking that, that Joe Burrow is going to come in. Uh, and even if he's not incredibly efficient, as efficient as we think he can be from the get-go, I think they're going to fling the football around a lot, and the volume will get you there.
4: I think that is I think that's likely to be true. So taking a look now at the running back room, how do you handicap the odds that's uh that our boy Joe Mixon ends up holding out cuz this is a huge fantasy football story if he does in fact hold out. So
5: I think 33%, you know, 1 in 3 is the the
4: the thought that I
5: have for him to not be there with the team to start the year. We know holdouts legitimately have a chance. To, to make it into the regular season. We've just seen it so often in the past few years. Melvin Gordon comes to mind. Uh, Le'Veon Bell comes to mind. So I would never say no chance, but I don't think it's a foregone conclusion either. And then the question becomes, if Joe Mixon does hold out, are you going Giovanni Bernard or has his time passed? And so I'm not even sure what the way to go drafting, you know, these backups are if Joe Mixon does sit. So it's kind of a confusing situation for me. Uh, You know, some people think that Giovanni Bernard is dust and he'll be passed uh, by one of these other guys. But I'm not even sure that Mixon holds out and will get there. So I think I would be fine baking some risk into Mixon, but still drafting him, knowing the risks.
4: So. Giovanni Bernard, this is actually true due to a contract extension he just got. He is the eighth highest paid running back in the NFL. Do you believe wow. that? Because it's true. So <laughs> if if Joe Mixon holds out and he wants to get paid more money, um, he is going to have to. I mean, like, he's going to get touches, right? They are going to. Uh, they are going to give him the ball. And now, whether that's in a 50 50 timeshare with Travion Williams, you know, maybe they get, uh, you know, maybe they end up getting uh rodney anderson back healthy you know rodney anderson from the university of oklahoma torn his acl twice uh tore his acl last year for the uh cincinnati Bengals in the preseason tore it uh the year before for oklahoma as well i i am drafting these guys late as uh as lottery tickets i i like both of them, first because, you know, I, I think they are good zero running back candidates anyways, but even, you know, even the 5% chance that Mixon holds out, Those, you know, both Gio and Travion are going to be assets?
5: Yeah, I was going to ask who you preferred between Travion and Bernard. I think... I would go the way of Williams despite the pay scale. I don't know how I, I feel about pay scale. By the way, if the MLB plays, just as a side note, Prince Fielder would be the highest paid, paid player on the Rangers this year. So I don't know if, if pay is the is the number one thing I'd
4: go by. You love to see it, yeah. I mean, I, I and and uh, I think the the big thing is though is I'm just not in on drafting Mixon. I mean, he's going in the back end of the first round at some points yeah. now, and I just I don't have him projected on our projections on SportsGrid.com. I, he just does not project well enough in terms of pass catching to to justify going there. I think. No, I think
5: right now it, he would have to last to the mid second round, which I think he might in some. He does every league. once in a while. Yeah. Yeah. And there I would take the shot, but that's about as as brave as I'm willing to get with him. Otherwise, just give me the guys with way less worry around them.
4: Yeah, so the wide receivers for this team – should be interesting because, you know, we do... Th- well, first of all, they were a super pass-heavy offense last year uh, under Zach Taylor. So even in games where they were competitive, so so neutral to game script, they were still super pass-heavy. So, you know, that should make us interested in A.J. Green, in Tyler Boyd, in John Ross. I mean, even a little bit in T. Higgins, maybe a little bit in... Uh, uh, probably not Auden Tate. I think I think Auden Tate's time has uh, his, his time in the sun has come and gone. I think the the issue you are going to find with AJ Green is he's thirty-two years old. He has missed multiple games with injury over the last couple seasons. Like what are what are we thinking the upside is for AJ Green at this point in his career? Like, do we think we can get sixteen healthy games out of him? You know, I, I just I just don't know
5: yeah i don't know if that's if that's the likeliest scenario that's for sure and i don't even know if a thousand plus yards is what we're targeting with aj green you want to see the red zone work with aj green you want to see him develop that rapport with joe burrow and fall into double digit touchdowns if you're drafting him and i think on a per game basis you want him to put up some great numbers so look you're getting him at wide receiver 29 since basically the start of May in the NFC. He's being drafted behind such names as T.Y. Hilton, Stephon Diggs, ahead of names like Marquise Brown, Michael Gallup, Jarvis Landry. Uh, I think I like him about there. I mean, T.Y. Hilton, do you think you're getting a ton of games out of him? I think I would rather pass on T.Y. I
4: mean, people really like T.Y. Hilton. I think I'm with you. I think if I'm gambling on an older – injured wide receiver, I think I prefer A.J. Green as my as my uh, my injured old guy.
5: Exactly. I, I just think there's more of a touchdown potential. Uh, I mean, I met T.Y. Hilton, and he's about half my size. So it just feels like how many years he's played in the NFL, he has to break down by default. I know he's got a good quarterback situation now, but if you get 13 green games of A.J. Green, and nine touchdowns and 850 yards. I mean, I think that's that's a good outcome. Is it worth taking him there? I think Jarvis Landry I probably like better than him uh in guys that are around the same ADP. Otherwise, I think the field is is pricing him pretty reasonably at this point.
4: Yeah, yeah, I think um you know, I think that's true. Do we do we have any faith left in John Ross do we think that John Ross can be you know an explosive guy uh, I, I guess it kind of depends on how much they decide to use their tight ends and how ready T Higgins is. So if T Higgins is you know not ready in week one not ready uh, not ready for prime time you know very early on in his NFL career, I think there should be a role for John Ross and I mean theoretically there should always be a role for someone as fast as John Ross like how does a guy that fast, Flame out in the NFL and a big part of it is injuries for sure. But, uh, you know, it just always seems like he's a guy that you should, uh, that you should want to target later in your drafts, especially if we think the Bengals offense is actually going to be good this season.
5: Yeah, the question with him is how much would his role adjust if we expect A.J. Green to miss games? Would it be T. Higgins who walked into that role, or would we see an expanded role for John Ross? Because if we think it's John Ross, I think you could handicap your – or handcuff, excuse me, your your shares of A.J. Green with John Ross. I just wonder if T. Higgins would get the shot then, and the best you would see of John Ross is that, you know, slot – down the field sort of role, which in a a Joe Burrow offense could have some value. I just think it's going to be frustrating. I hate to use the term better for, for best ball leagues, but he's like, if you need a home run on a given week, whether it's best ball or whether it's just a regular league.
4: Yeah, I mean, he is he is much better suited for formats that reward volatility as opposed to floors. But we're going to go ahead and head into break here real quick on the Daily Roto Hour on Sports Grid TV. When we return, we have saved the best for last. We will be digging into the Baltimore Ravens, Lamar Jackson, and all of their weapons on offense. Uh, so on the other side of the break, the Baltimore Ravens in our NFC North uh, NFL team previews
6: sportsgrid.com betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24 7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering real-time odds predictive betting models expert picks and more want the edge then get on the grid sportsgrid.com
0: MTV's official challenge podcast is back for another season and guess what
4: Hello, everyone, and welcome back from break here on the Daily Roto Hour on SportsGrid TV. I'm Davis Maddock, joined by Ricky Sanders. So We continue our series of NFL team previews going through division by division, position by position, team by team. Uh, this has been our NFC North show, our final team here, best for last, the Baltimore Ravens. Um, you know, Ricky, it's just, it's just sad that Lamar was so great last year, was such a huge part of my fantasy football strategy, and uh, you know it's just it's just a real bummer to not be able to own him in any leagues this year.
5: <laughs> yeah, I think the field's on him at this point, including the betting markets. They've got the over/under at 11 and a half for this Ravens team, which, when it gets into the 11s, I start getting timid for a team to just you know auto-repeat, but you look at the personnel here, you look at the coaching staff, uh, I mean, early on, have you noticed that Harbaugh is always, always, because of how he plays the players in the preseason, ready early in the season? Uh, My dad kind of turned me on to it a few years ago, but early on, I love betting the Ravens' lines, because they are just so much more well-prepared than any other team, so you can sneak out some wins early on, but I think this division is pretty tough, and I think, obviously, Lamar Jackson is legit. Everyone who said you know, his throwing could be a problem, they were proven wrong last year. But you are definitely not getting Lamar Jackson at a discount this year. If you want him, you have to either take him as the QB one or QB two. Uh, and if you wait, you know, around too long, which could be the third round, you just may not have a chance.
4: Do you um do you have any concerns at all? You know, uh, about uh, regression or you know, just thinking that. Uh, you know, just just being worried at all that the Ravens might have some kind of sophomore slump as a result of, uh, you know, just like, lo- like basically looking at that Titans game and being like, man, I, I don't know. Uh, I don't know so much about that.
5: So because Lamar Jackson runs for fantasy purposes, I don't have too many concerns about him sliding much below like QB five, even in the worst outcomes. That's not assuming injury. Obviously, injury can change everything in football. You just can't predict it. But assuming health, uh, I think Lamar Jackson gives you a top five season. So in terms of safety, I think you feel good about it just because of, of how often he is willing to take off and give you what you need via the ground in terms of 36 passing touchdowns i definitely think there's a there's a possibility that, that number comes down this year lamar jackson is excellent but what it shocked me if he threw 28 touchdowns as opposed to 36 uh and you know his running was good but he had some you know poor touchdown luck adding jk dobbins to that backfield yeah i think there are some some scenarios in which lamar jackson is fantasy qb5 or six as opposed to qb1 or two and and for the betting market, I think that would matter if he, he's not throwing 36 touchdowns because the, the Ravens' offense as a whole would be slightly less effective. So I just ha- am timid to bet the over 11 and a half sort of numbers. That's just me personally. I think, you know, gun to head, I probably would take the over if I had to, but it's a really scary number.
4: Uh, yeah, it is. It is very scary. So to give people an idea, they – scored on 52% of their drives last year. That was more than the Chiefs, more than the Saints, more than the 49ers, you know, by by a quite a significant amount and they were they were just the most efficient running team in the NFL as well. And obviously, you know, we expect teams to be we expect teams to run efficiently that have really good efficient running quarterbacks but there are there are just a lot of reasons to look at the ravens ricky and say they're just going to have to play way more competitive games this year because they're just they're not going to have two touchdown leads in all these games they're not going to be able to to salt away games the way that they were last season that's that's sort of my basic thought on uh on the ravens is that yes i think they're going to be great um but no i i'm largely concerned that, uh, that they just are going to be a little bit worse in terms of efficiency.
5: Yeah. I mean, other coaches have a year worth of sample size in Lamar Jackson that they didn't have last year. And the division teams have now seen him multiple times. Uh, And so I just don't think they're surprising anyone like they did last year. It's not like the receiving tour is, you know, drastically improved. I still think, you know, Mark Andrews, Marquise Brown, those are your top guys here. and, You know, talent-wise, I think Mark Andrews is a very good tight end. Is Marquise Brown a guy that you can rely on year-to-year for, like, massive numbers? I don't know. Potentially with Lamar Jackson – I I just think for a variety of reasons, including the improvements in the division that we've talked about, the fact that the Bengals could be a six-win team, the fact that the Steelers could have, you know, Ben Roethlisberger back, the fact that the Browns now look like an improved team with with a new coach and an improved offensive line and and even additional weapons, I just think it's going to be difficult for them to kind of just completely run away with things, at least more so than last year. And, yes, more competitive games – could mean some some watered-down stats comparatively for, for Lamar Jackson.
4: So, J.K. Dobbins, Mark Ingram, literally they are going back-to-back back in fantasy drafts right now. Whichever one of them goes first, it seems like that's the trigger for the other one to be selected in a lot of these high-stakes and competitive drafts. I actually am kind of different than the market here. I lean a little bit on the side of... Dobbins, right, and and the reason I I feel that way is I think he's got a little bit better upside as it uh, as it pertains to you know Ingram gets injured I think you know Ingram as I believe he is thirty. Two years old, you know, just a little bit more likely to be injured, a little bit more likely to see a significant decline in performance. And Dobbins just has upside in terms of, you know, being better athletically than we thought. Dobbins was a really good pass catcher. You know, Ingram uh, really not that big of a pass catcher last year for the Ravens, though he did have some receiving touchdowns. And I and I guess, you know, you can always hang your hat on, uh, on that. But we know starting running back for the Ravens, really good job to have. I mean, Mark Ingram last year was the starting running back for the Ravens, only played about 45% of the team's snaps, but still had a great fantasy season just because there are so many touchdowns available.
5: Yeah, and like 35% of the rushing share, which has a lot to do with Lamar Jackson, to be fair. But like for a number one back on a team, the 202 attempts was pretty low for Mark Ingram. Mind you, he missed the game. But Gus Edwards, number two, 133. Just Justice Hill uh, amongst the backs, 58 attempts. If all of a sudden we think that Edwards and Hill are mostly out of the offense because they're going more of a two-headed monster, it would not shock me if it's like Mark Ingram, 175, Dobbin, 175, in terms of rushing attempts. Like, we could see them very close. And if they are going to be that close, I think you gotta bet on the talent of Dobbins. Like I like Mark Ingram's. I, I think they will use him at the goal line a fair amount. You will still get some some scores from him, but you gotta take the the newer thing, and I know he averaged five yards per rush last year in this offense, but I think there's a reason that they took Dobbins here. They view him as the starter of the future. And if he starts off hot, I think they're gonna play the hot hand here and do what it takes to win. And Mark Ingram at thirty one years old eventually He's got to hit a wall, both in terms of, you know, slowing down and the injuries settle, settling in. So I think there's a lot of risk with him that there just isn't with Dobbins. And right, if Ingram goes down all of a sudden, I mean, Dobbins, a true, true, true fantasy RB1 guy we're starting right. every week in and da- in daily and a guy who can win you your leagues.
4: Absolutely. So last season, the passing distributions in Baltimore go like this they only threw 420 or. Er, 424 targeted passes 440 total passes so that includes some throwaways no one not one player on the team over 100 targets mark andrews 98 marquise brown 71 targets in 14 games willie sneed 46 targets nick boyle fourth on the team with 43 hayden hurst third string tight end Fifth on the team in targets. Um, this is actually a, a, a true a true fact that just blew my mind to uh, to hear, Ricky. So last season, Michael Thomas had more targets than all of the wide receivers on uh on baltimore combined anthony amico our boy at sports grid tweeted that out seemed insane it's true though so you add marquise brown willie sneed seth roberts miles boykin chris moore jaleel scott you add those guys up and it's it i I mean it's crazy right that those guys were on an offense that threw for 36 touchdowns and they they did they didn't even get to 180 targets
5: So I don't know if that makes me feel good or bad about looking at this unit this year. Like, they do they have room to improve, or is this a a situation where, you know, if they're in more, I don't know. I'm just I'm confused as to what to feel about them. I was going to ask you about Mark Andrews. What do you think the over-under for targets this year is? If you think they're playing in more competitive games, just because the, the league is catching up to them, he missed a game last year, 98 targets, over-under a 108.5 targets for, for Mark Andrews this year.
4: Um, I think I take over because they trade Hayden Hurst, right? And yes. that's going to be that's going to be pretty big, and they don't really have a ready-made replacement. So Andrews might go for because remember, Mark Andrews didn't even play sixty percent of the snaps for the Ravens last year. he there were a lot of games where he really was only in an obvious, you know, kind of passing situation. So should play some more snaps. We think more competitive games should mean more pass attempts but decreased efficiency. So I think I would take the over there. I mean, the guys that I, really want to target in the Ravens passing game, you know, are going to be Andrews. And I'm a, I'm actually a big believer in Marquise Brown. I think he played banged up last year. And I think that he can get to like a hundred, 110 targets this year. And with his speed and Lamar's ability to, you know, create that separation in the pocket and get the ball down the field. I'm i I'm super high on, uh, on Marquise Brown. So I, I like both of those guys.
5: Yeah, it's weird to say, but I think this is a poor landing spot for Devin DuVernay because you wanted him with a volume quarterback. He was like the truest of slot receivers in this draft, the guy who could rack up the receptions. But because of the focus on running in this offense— I don't think you're going to see him get to the PPR type of numbers that he would have gotten elsewhere. So he was a guy that I really wanted to land with like a Tom Brady or one of those sort of quarterbacks who could rely on a guy like him. And he goes to Lamar Jackson, which you would think like, hell yeah, the Baltimore Ravens, all they do is score points. I actually think it was a negative for him. And like you look at the the other receivers other than Marquise Brown, I don't think the possession receiver is like the greatest of fits here. Maybe Duvernay takes some of the role of like you know the three tight ends that they had last year. Now that they, well, only they have some, well, someone's
4: got to do it. Someone's got to so, play third tight end.
5: Yeah, so maybe Duvernay plays third tight end, but because of the the lack of alternatives uh, and guys that you you think, you know, are just like down the field threats who when Lamar Jackson fakes the defense out could be a big play guy. I mean, Marquise Brown obviously the the number one dude.
4: Yeah, I uh, I definitely I think that is true. And I, and I think, you know, a, a good message for us to think about for the Ravens is yes, they are going to be a little bit worse. You know, they might lose some games. We expect them to win. They might cut down in terms of total points scored, but actually those things are probably good for fantasy because they're not going to have as many blowouts and there should be more targets, um, you know, to go around. So I think really heavily targeting J.K. Dobbins, Marquise Brown, and Mark Andrews is you know, a good strategy for us this year. But everyone, that is going to do it for us here at the Daily Roto Hour on SportsGrade TV. I'm Davis Maddock signing off for Ricky Sanders. I hope you guys are all enjoying this series, and we will be back next week with a continued exploration of every NFL team.
3: I'll give it to you straight. So, listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast.
0: MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a
1: whole new level –